Well, here I am again. Thanks for having me back. In my previous message in November, I, I thanked uh, Pastor Dad, Eric, for giving me the keys to the car. Well, evidently, I brought it back in one piece, so <clears throat> it's good to be back. I just want to say, when I was up here in front of you in November, um, looked out, I just really felt a sense of family connection. I just really felt a sense of warmth in regard, and I just want to thank you for all that. It means a lot. Appreciate it. So we are journeying together through a series about sacred rhythms, rhythms of relating to God, relating to our world. Uh, and we've been talking about three different uh, realms of, that, of those rhythms. Anybody remember these? ABCs, right? So we've been embracing rhythms of, what's A? Abiding in Christ. Uh, rhythms of balancing work and rest. And I'm going to talk about that more today. Rhythms, what's C? Connection. Connection in community. One with another. So today I want to talk about living into a balance in your life. A balance between two things that are pretty critical to life itself, work and rest. Uh, for many of us, these two realms can compete with one another and conflict. In fact, work can outright deny the blessing of rest in our lives if we let it. Has work become an idol in America? You think? What do you think? Has that been your perception? Maybe. Maybe not everybody. I think our next slide has some statistics. Um, many Americans work very hard, and many take pride and even a sense of identity in doing so. Well, many feel like they work hard because they have to in order to survive. But as a nation, compared to other nations, we don't vacation or rest very well. Do we have that first slide? No? No? <clears throat> okay. Well then, I'll just read it to you. Yep. We're, America is the only advanced country in the world to not guarantee its citizens paid vacation leave, paid holidays, not to guarantee paid sick leave or paid maternity leave. There was an online survey that I found from the year 2014 said three quarters of American employees don't uh, use all their vacation time. Imagine that. Uh, this survey found that, uh, in fact, the average person takes probably only roughly about half of what he or she is actually allotted. 15% don't take any time at all. Survey also found that 60% of those who did take vacation managed to end up working while on vacation. No, we've never done that out here, right? No, never. <clears throat> None of us. 94% of professional workers in the U.S. work 50 plus hours a week, and almost half that number work 65 hours a week or more. 
You know, Dana and I have uh, struggled a bit to try to create this balance for ourselves, this, uh, this harmony of work and seeking rest. Uh, we haven't succeeded real well at that over the last few years. But is it okay to work hard? Is it okay to rest well? To live into rhythms of daily, weekly, annual observances of Rest and Sabbath. Jesus introduced a, a radical new meaning to honoring the essence of Sabbath. And the Pharisees, they weren't too happy about it. Let's read together. If you have Bibles with you, turn with me to the Gospel of Mark. There are throughout the sanctuary also Bibles in the seat backs. Uh, throughout. So Mark chapter 2, I'm going to start with... Verse 23, I'm going to seep over into uh, chapter 3, verse 5. One Sabbath, Jesus was going through the grain fields, and as his disciples walked along, they began to pick some heads of grain. You know what that is? They were harvesting. That's bad. <clears throat> the Pharisees said to them, Look, why are they doing what is unlawful? On the Sabbath, he answered, Have you never read what David did when he and his companions were hungry and in need? In the days of Abathar the high priest, he entered the house of God and ate the consecrated bread, which is lawful only for priests to eat. He also gave some to his companions. Then he said to them, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. Another time he went into the synagogue and a man with a shriveled hand was there. Some of them were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus, so they watched him closely to see if he would heal him on the Sabbath. Jesus said to the man with the shriveled hand, stand up in front of everyone. Then Jesus asked them, which is lawful on the Sabbath? To do good or to do evil, to save life, or to kill. But they remained silent. He looked around at them in anger and deeply distressed. At their stubborn hearts, he said to the man, stretch out your hand. He stretched it out, and his hand was completely restored. Don't you just love it when Jesus makes his point by healing someone. <laughs> I mean, how can you argue? How can you argue with that? Yeah, but Jesus worked on the Sabbath. Would you believe that working is actually a good thing? That it's woven into us from the heart and mind of God? Well, Scripture throughout, from the Old Testament to the New, references work everywhere. Genesis 2.15, the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to, what, work it and take care of it. And then I have grown to be quite fond of this passage from Exodus. Uh, very unique. This is as the Israelites were building and crafting the tabernacle. Moses said to the Israelites, 
See, the Lord has chosen, I'm not going to pronounce this right, Bezalel, son of Uri, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah. He has filled him with the Spirit of God, with skill, with ability, and knowledge in all kinds of crafts to make artistic designs for working gold, working silver and bronze, to cut and set stones, to work, to work in wood and engage in all kinds of craftsmanship. Now, think of it. This is Old Covenant, Old Testament. This man was filled with the Holy Spirit so that he could work with excellence, so that he could work unto God. Going forward to the New Testament, Jesus often used the backdrop of work to share a parable. Notice a couple of passages from Matthew 13, or Matthew 20. Matthew 13, then he told them many things in parables, saying, a farmer went out to sow his seed. And in Matthew 20, for the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire men to work in his vineyard. Work is life-giving. Work is honoring unto God. Our work, and more importantly, how we go about it, is an act of worship unto God. I found a story online, and this just took place in December, just last month. A school bus driver in Alabama, a man named Wayne Price, Mr. Price chose to use his work to do something above and beyond just the task at hand. Mr. Price was called in mid-December because there was an ice storm that went through Alabama. Now, it seems a little unusual, but that happens there too. And there was going to be a two-hour school delay. Well, the weather didn't worry Mr. Price. But this is what worried him. 75% of the students in that school are recipients of a nationwide program that gives free or reduced fee breakfast and lunch to its students. So this is what worried Mr. Price. He knew that a two-hour delay meant that his kids wouldn't get breakfast. So with everybody on the bus, he drove to the local McDonald's got 50 breakfast sandwiches, passed them out. Amazing. In the article, one of the kids says, uh, oh, Mr. Price, you must be rich. Well, Price told ABC News, he says, I'm not rich, but I am in full-time ministry. I'm a school bus driver and I'm in full-time ministry. He went on to say, you don't have long to talk to the kids on the bus, but you have a lot of time to influence them. It's amazing what a kind word or a smile can do. You get to set the example when they have struggles and frustrations by responding differently than what the world tends to train people to do. Now, the only requirement Mr. Price made of his students was that they keep the wrappers off the floor. <laughs> so that they did. They responded and they had breakfast. Is work a good thing? Well, on a Monday morning, it might not seem like it. 
And yet, it is woven into us. It's part of the rhythm of life that God has given us. And it's not an easy rhythm. Now, this is not on your screens up there, uh, this, this verse. But from Genesis 3, we read that the ground was cursed. So that God told Adam, by the sweat of your brow, will you eat your food? I think we've all realized that principle. I'm experiencing it right now. Hmm. Okay. We've all realized that principle either literally or figuratively. And yet for God's children, for us, his creation, there is the desire, the blessing of rest, of Sabbath. So let's talk about Sabbath. The notion of Sabbath itself was given by God to the Israelites. Back to Exodus chapter 31. Say to the Israelites, you must observe my Sabbaths. This will be a sign between me and you for the generations to come so that you may know that I am the Lord who makes you holy. Now under the old covenant, the observance of the Sabbath was an observance of a day. It was an observance that related to God's rest in creation. So that, as the scripture says, you may know the Lord who makes you holy. And even here we see a glimpse of God's tenderness. The Good News Bible renders that verse to say this. So you will know me, the Lord, who made you my own people. So the Sabbath was still an act of worship. It was an act of being still. And knowing that he is God, a time to seek him and better understand who he is. Now, in addition, the Israelites were given numerous occasions throughout the year to break from their normal rhythm and have days of festival and days of feasting. These were sacred, holy holidays, and they were to commemorate parts of God. They commemorated his abundance and restoration. They commemorated his uh, deliverance and healing, his atonement for sin. Commemorated literally the journey of life Israel was on as God's people. So the Israelites were given weekly and annual observances of Sabbath. And yet, believe me, there were significant penalties for violating this rhythm. Significant penalties cost for violating Sabbath. And so, Jesus enters human history with a very fresh take on the Sabbath. We see how he started out by, uh, on a Sabbath by miraculously healing a man's shriveled hand. And while he did so, Jesus declared this. He said to them, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. Now the Apostle Paul reiterates that same radical truth in his letter to the Colossians. This is from Colossians chapter 2. Therefore do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink, or with regard to a religious festival, a new moon celebration, or a Sabbath day. These are shadows of the things that were to come. The reality, however is found in Christ. Now what is this new reality? 
If you go to Hebrews chapter 4, the author offers a stunning contrast between the former observance of Sabbath and that which we can live into today made possible through Jesus. Now, this little snippet here from Hebrews 4 is really just a, a slice of a larger commentary, and I won't read all that to you, but I do want you to catch this part. Hebrews 4, starting at verse 8. For if Joshua had given them rest, them meaning the Israelites, God would not have spoken to them later about another day. There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from his own work. Now the author of Hebrews uses the old covenant to cast a vision, to cast a vision of an eternal rest, a rest that can be entered into right now. The Israelites were not to prepare on the Sabbath, they were to rest and realize the provision of God. Well, my friends, today I want to tell you we can rest and realize the provision of God right now. We can embrace the atonement of the cross and rejoice that Jesus has done everything necessary for us to enter into eternal glory with him. Everything to live victoriously in this life right now. Amen? The other day that the scripture talks about is not really referring to a day. It's talking about a life. It's talking about a life that is given through the finished work of Jesus, a life that never ends. The word for rest there in verse 9 is the same word for Sabbath in the Greek. So my friends, we have permission to enter right now into the Sabbath rest of God. So our Sabbath now is allowing our souls to rest. It's a rhythm that can be entered into by faith. And it's a rhythm that can be entered into today, right now. We remain, we abide in the rest of Jesus because of what he's done for us. Now, I've talked to Pastor Eric about this concept a little bit. I've mentioned that it was a struggle for me. It's been a challenge for him, too. We all know that he's a busy guy. We all know he's a very popular guy. We also know that his rhythm is involving taking care of us on a Sunday and throughout the week. And yet he does strive to adhere to a Sabbath model, letting himself rest, in his case, from a late Friday through Saturday. So understand, he loves us all very dearly, but when Friday evening comes around, he's going to do what he can to put himself into a restorative time out. Okay. So what about you? Would you like to have a restorative time out? Does that sound good? Put yourself in time out? Is it possible to balance work and rest in your life? Consider these scriptures. Ecclesiastes 3. There is a time for everything and a season for every activity under heaven. Or Psalm 90, 17. May the favor of the Lord our God rest, rest upon us. Establish the work of our hands. Yes, establish the work of our hands. For most of us, work can and is challenging, and from Adam forward, we are guaranteed nothing less. 
And yet it is not the heart of the Father that we endure ongoing toil. It's not the heart of the Father that we experience ongoing labor without respite for body and soul. Our rest is an expression of the Father's heart for us, his desire for harmony, for joy, for peace, for his children. Now, I mentioned before that I like to run. I mentioned that last time, exercise. It's a known principle of exercise that if you just continually exercise, if you continually exert your muscles without resting them, it's going to be counterproductive. And in my middle age, I just had a birthday. I'm enjoying that rest phase more and more. Amen? Yeah. Uh, Time to rest. Engaging our minds works the same way. It's also known that if you study hard and cram and just push and push without letting your mind rest, that too is going to limit your effectiveness. There's even a verse that talks about that. I thought you might enjoy this one. It's not up there on the screen. Ecclesiastes 12.12 says, Of making many books there is no end, and much study wearies the body. Amen? Any students over here? So many years ago, when I was in college at Northwest Nazarene College in Nampa, Idaho, I had a professor... And he would talk about his days as a student, and he talked about having problems at times with certain math classes. And when he was stuck on a particular problem, he would use this very unusual technique. He would just focus, and he would cram, and he would intently study everything he knew about that math problem. And then he'd turn the light out, and he'd let himself go to sleep. And more often than not, he would wake up completely knowing how to solve that problem. Interesting. So we see here in these examples a pattern of work and rest, a pattern that apparently is woven even into our literal physiological makeup, exercise, cognitive endeavor. Think of it as a pendulum. You know, you got like work up here, right? And you got rest over here. Work, rest. Only if you don't let yourself embrace Sabbath, your pendulum kind of looks like this. You you got work and rest and work. See, it doesn't work so well. We make ourselves weary. Many of us still buy into this sort of myth that says if we work, work, work all the time, you get more done. We just had the holidays, right? And those are, those are just now past. Many of us still sort of uh, accommodate this ghost of Sabbath past that wants to still linger in our consciousness. You know, we tr- we've tried to obey and adhere to that old version of Sabbath, and we can't do it. So we don't do it. Instead, we latch on to a work ethic that just drives us constantly. If you're working all the time, you're not going to have time to abide in Christ and seek Him and discover Him. If you're working all the time, you're not going to have time to balance and let yourself embrace Sabbath that God intends for you. If you're working all the time, you're not going to have time to connect with the people in your life. 
People that matter, friends and family and church family. Jesus offers a better way. Let's go back once again to our focus passage from Mark, this time Mark chapter 3, verse 4, where he says this. He asks them, what is lawful on the Sabbath, to do good or to do evil, to save life or to kill? Don't you just love it when Jesus asks questions like that? Those are dangerous questions. They're like very piercing questions. They sort of enter into the heart of the thing and they cut through all the facade. Jesus is showing us the heart of the Father there for us, his desire for our peace, for our rest. So, you have God's blessing to work and you have God's blessing to Sabbath. Offer your work as an act of worship unto God. God can take our routines. God can take your routine. He can take our dailiness of Monday through Friday. He can make something out of that that is a message of beauty and power for his kingdom. Amen? If you let him. Our work and our rest affirm our partnership, our fellowship with God. Amen. Thank you. Now, to observe this is going to look different for different people, right? My Sabbath is going to look a little different than your Sabbath. Jesus said the Sabbath is for us. It's meant to be restorative to mind and body and soul. So if my work is internal, if it's more sedentary, you know, my Sabbath, I'm going to kind of want to mix things up, you know, get the blood flowing, you know, maybe move around, maybe even do something productive around the house. Yeah. But if my work is really physical... I'm probably going to seek a more contemplative space, something a little more peaceful. But work in Sabbath, Sabbath is for us. So Sabbath can involve things such as, you know, letting yourself take a nap. It can involve reading. And I don't see Marilyn out here, but it could even involve you letting yourself eat bonbons. You know, it could involve painting. And it could even involve such noble and diverse things as mowing your lawn or working on your car. Maybe. Maybe that's... You know, it's very much also a space for being quiet before God and seeking His heart for you. Seeking Him in solitude. So today, I dare you to rest. Dare yourself to Sabbath. I challenge us all to break, including myself, break from the urgent to seek that which is truly and eternally lasting and important. Challenge yourself to do that. Dare to step into God-breathed rhythms, daily rhythm of seeking Him in solitude, weekly rhythm of worship, connection, such as we're doing right here annual rhythms of holidays and holy days and gathering with family and friends and, and just getting away. Let yourself do that. Your Heavenly Father gives you permission. Dana and I are trying to enter into this new year by 
striving for more balance. In 2019, we have both of us collectively decided to rediscover the word no. And no, no. We've done some things just recently to uh, move toward achieving more of that balance in our life. Ruth Haley Barton is the author of the book Sacred Rhythms. I think we've read that book, many of us here at our church. She says this, most of us are more tired than we know at the soul level. We're teetering on the brink of dangerous exhaustion and we cannot do anything else until we've gotten some rest. We can't really engage any spiritual disciplines until solitude becomes a place of rest for us rather than another place for human striving. Jesus says this, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So offer your work as a worship and witness unto God. Let yourself Sabbath. It is in the heart of the Father that you do so. Your family might appreciate you more if you do that. What is God leading you into today? Do you need to create a rhythm of rest for yourself? In the journey and rhythm of your life, are there things you need to say yes to? Maybe there's things you need to say no to. Hmm? Well, I invite the worship team back up here. And Pastor Eric, our prayer team will be up here on the stage or, on the pla- or at the front. And they would love to discover with you seeking God's heart for you this day. Find that rest. Find that peace. Come.